Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Monday check-in, this week happening on Monday. Indeed. Change of pace from last week, at least. So, uh, it's a return to pace. Maybe that's, the, maybe that's a better way of saying it. Um, rambling aside, I am Damon Heitman. I am one of the pastors at First Presbyterian Church of Hastings, Nebraska, joined this morning by... Greg Allen Pickett, the other pastor at First Presbyterian Church of Hastings, Nebraska. We're glad to be here with you, uh, and I'm always glad to be here with Damon and having this chat about the Bible and updating the life of our church and what's going on in our church family. So thank you. So, uh, and Greg, kind of you mentioned a little bit. So this we this sort of thing serves two functions. One is kind of a an opportunity for us to share a little bit of information with folks about what's going on at First Pres Hastings. And also then we take the scripture for this upcoming Sunday and we read it and we chat about that a little bit as well. So uh, we're checking in in a variety of ways. With that said, uh, what's the first thing that we're checking in about? Well, we've got some, uh, just bringing you up to speed on the life of the church. Um, and we mentioned this last week, but we'll mention it again. You know, every month we take a special communion offering on the Sundays that we take communion in church uh, to benefit a local ministry partner. And this month in April, it's the Maryland Living Center, which is actually just across the street from our church. And at the Maryland Living Center, they, uh, they work with at-risk teens and uh, young adults, particularly kids who have aged out of the foster system. And so they are one of our ministry partners. They come over occasionally and use our church kitchen to teach cooking classes and that sort of thing. And we support them financially. And uh, so for the month of April, that would have been our communion offering recipient. We didn't do communion in person at the church on the first Sunday of April. Uh, and Maryland Living Center has actually said that they're okay fund-wise right now, but what they would love would be some games and card games and like adult coloring books, things basically to keep their residents occupied during this time of uh, isolation and social distancing. So if uh, you want to drop those by the church anytime during the month of April, we will run those over to the Maryland Living Center to support them in the ministry that they are doing with uh, at-risk teen and young adults. So that's the first announcement. Uh, second announcement is just kind of a reminder uh, to please continue to support the work of your church. Uh, you know, we are still working really hard in this time. In fact, much of our work has, uh, has increased as we're responding to the needs in our community, like the United Harvest Food Distribution that we did last week. And so uh, if you're a person who historically would bring your offering and generously put it in the offering plate on Sundays, we've now gone five weeks where you haven't been able to do that. And so would remind you if, if you can, if it works for your family to mail those into the church or also to set up online giving. You can either give through our website uh, or you can reach out and we can get you in touch with our bookkeeper and you would be able to do uh, direct deposit giving. So we see the work of the church as uh, vitally important in this time and uh, we can't do that work without your support. So first, thank you for your ongoing support. And, uh, and if, if it's something your family can continue to do, please continue to do it at this time. Um, the last announcement that I wanted to share, uh, we shared this on Sunday, but uh, we, we've had a death in our, our church community. Georgia Oshner passed away. She, uh, she was part of the Hanover Church in Glenville. And when that church closed in late 2016, she came over and, and joined our church with her husband, Dwayne. And she passed away on Friday evening. 
And uh, unfortunately, because of the pandemic, we're not able to do a traditional memorial service. I will be doing a small graveside service with just the family this week. And then uh, hopefully when things return to normal, we will do a memorial service and a celebration of life. Um, and that's, that's our new normal for now. Um, I actually received a call from the funeral home yesterday and another member of our church has passed away. Her name is Judy Brown. And we're doing the same thing. I'm working with the family to, uh, to set up a small family graveside this week. And then uh, as, as things return to normal, we'll look at a way that we can both honor and celebrate her life and proclaim the hope of the resurrection that we have as, as Christians. So uh, we will continue to share these, uh, these sad announcements, these, these, these death announcements with the church in this time. Uh, and there is sadness and there's grieving and there's mourning. And also in the midst of that, there is hope because we are a resurrection people. And we believe that these folks have gone to be with God and are now free of any pain and suffering and sorrow that God will wipe every tear from their eyes. Uh, but that leaves us here behind also in grief. So if I can ask you to please be praying, uh, be praying for our church family uh, who are experiencing loss at this time and be in prayer, particularly for the Oshner family and for Judy Brown's family. Anything else, Damon? Yeah, you were just talking about how the, the work of the church continues and part of the work of the church is, of course, responding to families in times of need and in times of sorrow and in times of grief. And uh, another way that the work of the church continues is this coming Sunday, we're going to take time to recognize our 2020 senior high graduates. They have ended up graduating in a exceedingly peculiar time. Uh, I am assuming that if they are not allowed to have graduation parties, then they will bring cake to me. That's how, <laughs> that's my assumption of how this is going to work. And if so, any of our seniors or families are listening, uh, bring the cake to the church and we'll be sure that Damon gets some, but <laughs> oh, um, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, fair enough. Take what I can get, I suppose. Uh, so that's a, so something to kind of look forward to about this coming Sunday's worship service. So, and, and now we're going to shift into taking a look at the scripture for this coming Sunday. And before we do that, I would like to offer a word of prayer. So let us join together in a moment of prayer. Loving and gracious God, we continue to move through the liturgical season of Easter. And we continue to look for ways that Jesus is appearing amongst us as we take uh, an examination of this scripture story, this description of Jesus appearing on the road to Emmaus. May we also uh, gain wisdom from it. May we be able to gain insight from it. May we be able to consider and ponder on the moments um, when, when we have recognized there is in Christ in our midst and in the lives of one another. Uh, in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So the scripture that we have for this coming Sunday is from the 24th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, uh, verses 13 through 35. It's a story that folks are probably pretty familiar with, I, I would imagine. So, and it reads something like this. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, 
but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. One of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are! And how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him, strongly saying, Stay with us because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of bread. Holy wisdom, holy word. Amen. So there we have it. Uh, last week we had, um, from the Gospel of John, resurrection appearance, Jesus showing up behind closed doors. Uh, here we have from Luke, we get this, uh, we get some kind of journey, some traveling motif. The disciples are on the move to some place already, and Jesus shows up and, and walks beside them. So, uh, Greg, what do you got? Well, fortunately, you're preaching on this this week, so uh, I, I haven't spent as much time studying the scripture yet, uh, although I will. Uh, it is also only Monday. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Uh, no, this is, uh, this is a great story, um, and there's a lot of details in here that I really deeply appreciate, uh, starting with, uh, at, the, at the beginning, you've got the two disciples walking, and Jesus walks up alongside them. And, and they can't recognize him, which on some level I would understand. If they just saw him crucified a few days earlier, they assume he's dead. Right. And so some man showing up and walking next to them, they wouldn't assume that was the risen Christ. Um, and, and then I love that Jesus turns it into a teaching moment. 
They say, haven't you heard? Oh, what, what, what did I miss? Well, about this Jesus of Nazareth and what happened? And Jesus is like, well, don't you remember? And then he starts to teach them, beginning with Moses and working his way through the scriptures that all point to, um, to his story. And I, I just, I love that uh, even in this moment, Jesus is, is teaching in love and, and still trying to help them understand what this is all about because they still don't grasp it, right? Um, right. It's, it's still foreign, not foreign to them, but they're, they're, they're still not quite getting it yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or not, even if they grasp it, not, not not expecting the risen Christ to show up right not looking for it. Right. You know, right. that even if you, even if you understand something, um, even if you're not looking for it, you still don't see it necessarily. Yeah. Right? Um, there's a couple of interesting story, like story things going on, which I, tend to note. <laughs> uh, so we, there's two disciples. Uh, one of them we get a name for, Cleopas. The other one we don't. It's, a, it's another one of these unnamed disciples. Uh, could be, and if you, you imagine how this story would have originally developed, that it would have originally developed as oral tradition, the uh, stories that folks were telling one another around a, around a table, around a we always think of them as being told around campfires, which <laughs> maybe they were, but, um, uh, you know, in passing at the market or that sort of place or when they gathered up for worship in a house. Uh, and so functionally having a story where one disciple is named and one is unnamed, well, that could, that could have been anybody. Uh, you know, it could have been, could have been a friend of yours. It could have been a friend of mine. It could have been anybody that was there. And we can, I think still kind of, play with that in some ways. Um, but, uh, and then also this, this idea of Emmaus, some of the scholarship that I have read suggests that Emmaus, no one knows where Emmaus was um, it, and that it may have, it could be kind of just a, and at the time no one w- would have known where Emmaus was and that it could be kind of a stand in town they could be they were going to uh you know small town x <laughs> is is where they, they could have been disciples could be going anywhere uh and and disciples still could be going anywhere and still meeting this meeting jesus along the way i like that damon and i i hadn't thought about how often the bible presents us these opportunities to to put ourselves in the story right You've yeah. got a named disciple and an unnamed disciple. Uh, and like last week with Thomas the twin, and we don't know who Thomas's twin sibling is, which invites us to put ourselves in the story. Perhaps that's our brother. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and on the road to Emmaus, perhaps we're the unnamed disciple. And, and even the thought that Emmaus is an unnamed, perhaps rural town. Um, we, some biblical scholars suggest that the disciples were headed back to Galilee, which is what they knew, right? They were going to sure. head back to their homes and back to their, their careers of fishing because this Jesus movement they thought had fizzled out at his, uh, at his crucifixion. And Jesus shows up next to them and reminds them, hey, this story's not over. 
and, and starts all the way back at Moses and walks through the prophecies. And, and then um, the detail that I love about the second half of the story, which I read, is uh, that their eyes are open and they recognized him after they have offered him hospitality. Yeah. So while they may not have learned all that Jesus was trying to teach them while Jesus was here on earth, they did learn that the underlying fundamental of their faith is about this, this, this compassion and this hospitable love. And so Jesus appears that he's going to go on that night and they say, stop, stop unnamed stranger who just taught us about scriptures. Uh, Why don't you join us for the nights? Uh, and, and so they, they invite him in and they invite him to break bread with them. And I love that Jesus has made known through this act of hospitality, which they extended to Jesus because just three nights earlier, Jesus extended that same hospitality to them. Jesus broke bread with them and then got down and washed their feet. And they hadn't forgotten that lesson, like that the fundamentals are there. So they, they may have lost track of the scriptures. They may have lost track of the the Old Testament prophecies that point to Jesus as the Messiah, but they haven't forgotten the fundamental lesson that Jesus was teaching them, which was about loving God and loving their neighbor and and showing that love through acts of of radical hospitality, including inviting a stranger in to stay with them for the night, which frankly could have been a dangerous proposition, right? They don't don't really know who this guy is. And Mm -hmm. yet, even in the potential fear, they say, no, we know what we're called to do as, as followers of this Jesus fella which is extend hospitality to a stranger. And so please come in with us. And then he does. And I mean, it's, it's a motif that's been picked up through literature throughout the ages of um, sort of the unknown stranger showing up at your door and then the stranger turns into, or your eyes are open to realize that the stranger is actually someone you know. We just watched uh, Beauty and the Beast with Esther this weekend, the live <laughs> Disney musical version mm-hmm. uh, with Emma Watson, which is... Yeah, Emma. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. Uh, anyways, so, and, and Esther's a, a big fan. And uh, there's, they use that same motif where a woman shows up at the door of the castle and she looks like, they, they don't, the, the prince doesn't recognize her. She looks like a haggard old woman. Uh, when he refuses her hospitality, that's when she turns into a beautiful enchantress. And that story doesn't close in the cartoon, but it does come full circle in the movie that we watched because she shows up at the end of the story once the beast realizes uh, what, what true love is, uh, authentic love, which is a self-giving, self-sacrificing love. And she shows up and allows him to transform back into a human because he's learned the lesson, right? Uh, and so it's funny to see this same motif appear in literature, knowing that right here, uh, it's, there it is in the Gospel of Luke. Yeah. And it shows up lots of times. It, it's very biblical as well. It, you know, it's yes. of course um, Abram, or I forget if he's Abraham at that point. Um, the the strangers show up at his tent, and he invites them in, and uh, and they turn out to have been messengers of God. And, and then we get this this refrain that pops up a few times. You know, for um, for some have entertained angels unaware. I was thinking that in Hebrews, I think, uh, in, in Paul's letter to the Hebrews, he, uh, he says, uh, you need to extend hospitality to strangers because you may be entertaining angels without knowing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's also in addition to a liter- literary motif, a biblical motif that, uh, that appears. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I love that the disciples' eyes are open and made known in the breaking of the bread, that it's, it's through this extending of radical hospitality that they're able to realize that Christ is in their midst. And that, to me, is the core lesson of this particular story. Mm-hmm. Through the extending of hospitality in our lives today, 2,000 years later, Christ is made known in our midst, right? Yeah. Yeah, and there's this this act of, uh, you know, and it really, it, it makes obvious sense when you say it out loud or when the thought occurs to you, right? But living it out draws you further into it. Yes. Y- you know, which, <laughs> which only makes sense, right? Um, I, I can I can study tie you know how to tie a shoe or how to tie a tie, um, but once I I actually start to make the attempt of doing it, then I get drawn into it further and it becomes a, a much more of a reality for me than it than it had been otherwise or than it would be otherwise. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's I get this. Um, uh, this, this stay with us um, kind of a, makes me think of if you if you if folks have been on a it makes me think of being on service trips mm-hmm. um, and you work with you go to a you go to a strange place <laughs> and you meet strangers and but it turns out that they're wonderful and they're very hospitable and they're appreciative uh, of you being there, and they help you out with you. Know, they have band aids, <laughs> you know. They they know where to get good meals, um, that sort of stuff. And I can I can tell if I've if I've had a really good experience by about like you know day three or four, because I start to think to myself, I wonder if I could just stay here. <laughs> yes. I like guess would it be possible for me? I could just work with these people. <laughs> that, that would be fine. Um, and and those sorts of settings are settings, at least for myself, when it becomes really, uh, really much easier to sort of envision myself. I am. I am. This is me really trying to live out the word of God and. And that sense of, can I just stay? I just want to stay here. I just want to stay in this place where, yeah. where I really, really feel that I'm, and I feel that I'm living out my mission and purpose in my day-to-day life here in Hastings as well. I don't want people to get the wrong <laughs> idea, but, but you get sort of a heightened sense of it in these sorts of specialized settings. And let's just, let's just stay here. When, where I really feel like I am in the heart of God in some way. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I had a, an experience of that just on Saturday uh, when we did the United Harvest food distribution. Um, and for one, we, we've maintained proper social distancing, but I got to actually see people's faces and look in their eyes, which we haven't been able to do in four or five weeks. Right. And so even though we wrapped up by 1230, like, part of me just wanted to stay and, and chat and, um, and keep doing that. We, we, all the cars were through, but there was still this desire to want to continue because we were doing good work. We were doing hands and feet of Jesus work 
And we were also having a chance to be the body of Christ in some sort of physical gathering, which I've so deeply missed for the last five weeks. Um, so yeah, I, I felt that acutely on Saturday at about 1230 as I as I walked back to my car in the parking lot to drive away, I was like, I, I could just stay here a little while longer. Yeah, just, <laughs> there was no one left to serve, but it was, <laughs> you know, uh, so yeah. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a rich passage. Um, some would say so. Uh, it's yeah. uh, it's also one that I quote uh, actually every time I do in-home communion. Um, hmm. I have this, uh, this book called the book of common worship, and it has an in-home communion liturgy that I use parts of. And so almost every time that I serve communion in a nursing home or, or in homes, I, uh, I quote this particular passage that the resurrected Christ was walking on the road to Emmaus with the disciples. And, um, because it, it reminds us that through the hospitality and people are inviting me into their homes to serve communion. And I'm bringing them communion. So there's this reciprocal hospitality taking place, uh, which is at the heart of the gospel and the heart of what it means to, to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So, Yeah, that's another thing we didn't really even mention. And then this is a communion story. Right. Um, <laughs> the, um, some of the, some folks like, will extend the story. Uh, the ne- and the next few verses are are very similar actually to what we what we read for last week from John. Um, Jesus invites the disciples to put their hands on his side and and he and he, and he says essentially, you got anything to eat? <laughs> I'm hungry. Um, and then he eats uh, and there's a really heavy emphasis on this is a bodily resurrection. Um, which then you might imagine, well, that's, that's a corrective maybe to some other interpretations or some other narratives that were popular at theological perspectives that were popular at the time. Um, cause he's, he's, he breathes again and, and he's desperate he's, for food. He's hungry. Yeah. yeah. And there's another post-resurrection appearance in, in John, uh, that I don't think we're going to cover in the lectionary this year. Uh, but you've, you've mentioned a few times, uh, where he's having the, the dialogue with Peter about feed my lambs, tend my sheep. But right before that, uh, the disciples are out fishing, haven't caught anything. Yeah. It says, cast your nets one more time to that side. They bring in this huge <laughs> haul. And then it says, Jesus cooked them breakfast and it was broiled fish. And there's that yeah. level of detail, uh, you know, broiled fish for breakfast. And he's, he's sitting there over a campfire and you can almost smell the, the, the wood smoke, right. And smell the fish broiling that Jesus has prepared this meal. Again, it's that notion that extending hospitality, that caring for others, caring for their physical needs is, is such a huge part of what it means to be a Jesus follower. And Jesus demonstrates that to the very end, uh, even in these post-resurrection appearances right before his, uh, his ascension. Yeah. So, uh, this is normally the part where I would say, uh, will it preach? Uh, because you would usually be preaching. So Damon, will it preach? Yeah, probably. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't imagine why I wouldn't. So fair enough. <laughs> okay. Uh, well that I think takes care of the, of the check-in for Monday, April 20th. And, um, Folks, uh, we'll, we'll send out uh, this will go out today. It already went out. If you're listening to it, there'll be a, a just as usual. There'll be a midweek uh, communication from Steph, and that'll be the kids' corner. Is that what we call it? Yep. 
uh, some resources for our youth in the church. And then Friday, we'll be back um, with the Friday feature. So I'll put a little plug in too. Though it'll this will go out today, and in the same email, uh, if you've listened to this, go ahead and read the rest of the email because we're going to highlight the Friday feature. We didn't send an email out about that last week, but it was excellent. Uh, it was a conversation between Damon and Louis uh, Eckhart, who is a professor of music at Hastings College, and uh, he shared a, a beautiful narrative about a piece of music and how it relates to the scripture, and then shared the piece of music itself, and it was great. Yeah, yeah, folks should really should really check that out. Um, and if folks make their way um, to the to the SoundCloud profile, all that all that stuff is there. So yeah, folks should should definitely check that out. And, and my thanks again to to Louis for doing that and offering me a little bit of an education. So yes, can I close this with a word of prayer? Yes, please. All right, gracious and loving God, we continue to live in this unknown in entering into space that we've never experienced before. Perhaps a bit like the space that those two disciples were entering into on their journey to Emmaus, having leaving Jerusalem and thinking that perhaps this Jesus movement that they had followed was over. The good news is God that Christ shows up in the midst of those unknown spaces. Christ walks with us and Christ is present with us both extending us love and also when we choose to extend love and hospitality to others, that is when Christ is made known. God, we pray particularly for the families that are experiencing grief and loss. May they feel and know Christ's presence in this time, in the midst of this unknown. May Christ be made known to them as he was to those two disciples walking on the road to Emmaus. And may the peace of Christ enter their hearts May they feel the comfort and love of God in the midst of their grief and mourning, even as we do it in different ways. Thank you for this community, for First Presbyterian Church, and all the ways that we are able to be the hands and feet of Christ in the world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, until next time, toodaloo. Bye-bye.